0: It's a whole crowd of men out there who need this Welcome to the case study This case study will be marked down in time Known to all as the record keeper Of the historic rise of the woke Man Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the woke man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth, revealing emotion strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca, Luca Reedy, from the Feeling Alive podcast and The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen, from wherever you are tuning into around the world. This is episode 46, I believe, and we're talking about the conscious journey of man. This is the case study where we interview 100 men and their conscious journey of how they went from unconscious to conscious and not everyone was born conscious or spiritual or anything of those nature. So now this is just to show you that anyone can start now. And I'm here with my conscious brother, Ivan. Ivan, thank you for joining me, mate.
1: Thank you for having me, Luca.
0: Brother, where did you grow up and where do you live now?
1: So I was born and grew up in Bulgaria. Um, I live in Malaysia right now. I've lived on all sides of the planet. I was in Bulgaria for 28 years, then I went to the United States for 16 years, where I was until 2018, and then here I am in Malaysia now for a year and a half.
0: Wow, man. How old are you now?
1: Um, 46, two weeks ago.
0: Wow. What do the uh, the 40s feel like, man? I've just turned 30. What have I got to look forward
1: to? (laughs) In my unique case, uh, I don't know if it's unique, but in my case, my 40s feel better than my Mm. twenties on all kinds of levels. Usually people in their forties will say, well, it's better because my wisdom level is higher. Um, I don't know about that. I I trust that that's the case, but that's Mm. not for me to say. What I know is that I physically perform better in my 46th year than I was performing in my my 26th year. Mm. And when I was 26, I actually competed in a natural bodybuilding contest. Uh, so I was preparing my physique in uh, in all kinds of ways. But today, um, I, I perform even better.
0: Wow. So you had much more of a peak than you were then. And you would say that, it, like society would say that that's the opposite, hey? Like they were going uh, down in that that's what. So it's really, you know, I actually had a guy yesterday interviewed yesterday on, and he just turned 40 so I asked him the same question and he said he's getting more of his eccentricities out, he's becoming more of his true self he doesn't really care too much about what other people think that was an mm. interesting perspective mm. I got from him
1: mm. so, yeah, yeah, we can talk about that all I'll tell you about this is before we shoot to the next question is I really do not have co- concept of aging, mm. I conceptually understand that this is what happens, I know it's kind of happening to me, but I don't have an idea of, oh, in my 40s, I shouldn't be able to do this anymore. In yeah. the 40s, men like me already are declining in this kind of way. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not like that. If I want to learn the human flag, I learn the human flag. If I want to learn a front lever, I learn front, front lever. And then next year, I'll improve on it when I'm 47. That's my thinking. That's it has nothing to, it. to do with age. Uh-huh. I just do not have a concept of aging in my mind. I love that, man. I love that.
0: What do you, what, do you, so what are you doing for a living right now?
1: Well, um, I play, well, I work and play for Mindvalley. It's a, a online education company and, and connections building around the world company. It's based here off of Malaysia, but it's um, actually registered also in the United States. It's an international company. It's small by number of people, but it's very wide by uh, impact and reach. Mm-hmm.
0: And and so you're doing that full time, and then you have your you have some other projects part time as well.
1: Yes, uh, I am a tribe facilitator and community manager at present at Mind Valley. Mm-hmm. So basically, I'm on the front lines. I'm I'm the one of these people who communicate with the global tribe, and so. Um, it's very interesting because I get to polish further and deepen my communication skills
0: mm, yeah bloody hell that's awesome man. and what's one thing you're really good
1: at mm. I'm good at asking questions and listening mm. very good at that and when I ask questions I don't ask random questions I ask questions from a perspective of it takes me very little to see where a person can be, mm-hmm. where they are not seeing themselves there yet. And I can ask them questions that they can tell themselves where they can be. So I don't have to tell them. And once they tell themselves where they can be, now they can't resist this because they, it came from them. It didn't come from me. Their body, their system is not no longer rejecting it because they told it to themselves. Mm-hmm. I love asking deep guiding questions based on where I see people, my vision for them, which is usually pretty accurate.
0: Mm, That's beautiful, especially for the work that you do, I think it's very important to have that, right? Probably why you are doing that. And what's what's one of your biggest fears right now?
1: Mm. You know, it's a very interesting question. I do not have a fear of dying. I do not have fear of letting go my physical body. Mm. I do not have a fear of not leaving a legacy behind me, which used to be my biggest fears. Ooh,
0: okay.
1: If I were to give you a big fear, it's not really big because I've alchemized most of my fears to a manageable size. Mm-hmm. But this would would still come up for me is knowing that I had a big pressure in my solar plexus telling me that I, I have a far bigger capacity to expand in this lifetime experience, but I didn't. Mm. I guess that's a very convoluted way to say when I'm 90, if I'm lucky enough and I'm rocking in my rocking chair, I don't want to have regrets. I want to know that I kept stepping I kept catching trains on the platform on the station and I didn't stay on the platform. I didn't wave trains goodbye, but I stayed on the oh. platform. I didn't miss all the opportunities. I ran for the trains and if I missed a train or two, I gave it all on the way of trying to catch it <laughs> and I didn't catch it. Or maybe I caught trains that took me in a dead, dead end and then I had to catch other trains. But that's what I want to know. I don't want to know that I watched a lot of trains. Come to the train station and leave. And I oh, just sat there.
0: Yeah, man, that is that's so the awesome. Fear. But you know what I love about, I love that. It gives me goosebumps when you're saying that. Is, but it's also that you've dissociated the fact of like wanting to leave a legacy. And then you just go, no, I just want to live my potential. And I don't care what that leaves behind. I just want
1: to live my potential. Is that right? That's, that's right. I'm called here to expand and there is, I know that there are a lot of people and this is, this is who I'm out there to help Mm. people who are on the same journey as me. And maybe, maybe I'm just a couple of steps ahead of them, maybe, but there is a lot of people out there. There are a lot of people out there who feel that they know they've always known that they're born for more. They have always known that they're born for bigger things, but a lot of them just like me for 40 plus years in my life just find themselves not living that life experience. They find themselves living a rather mediocre life. Mm. It doesn't match the expectations that they had for themselves in their teens or even earlier when there were children and they knew they were invincible. Mm. And right now in their uh, late 20s, mid 30s or even mid 40s, they find themselves living a mediocre life, mm-hmm. an average life, a gray life, with not much color and they go wow it's i feel like i know i was you know i was made for more but i'm not living that is that my destiny i'm getting scared at this point because half half my life is over
0: mm-hmm. yeah to brother touche. what's one of your favorite quotes
1: mm. a favorite quote A problem can be solved when a question is asked inside a current paradigm that can be answered only outside of it.
0: <laughs> You've just blowing my mind and I don't I like it, but I
1: don't know what it means. <laughs> Tell me what that means for you. What that means is that you cannot solve a problem from the same space where you created it what Einstein said, or I'm paraphrasing and butchering what he said, but basically that's the idea. We all see the world through our own paradigms and we call that reality, but the reality is that there are 8 billion realities because everybody has their own reality and we're creating or co-witnessing whatever the case is uh, from quantum physics perspective. The thing is that there is a lot more out there that we're currently not observing or not (laughs) creating. Yeah. So if you have a question over here now and you're looking through this lens that have in front of your face, to answer that question, that big problem, you gotta look outside of that lens. That's where the answer is. Because where you're looking, obviously it's not there. Otherwise you would have answered it. Yeah, yeah. I love
0: that.
1: And that's where coaches come in, because when somebody's in a bottle they can see what's on the label on the outside, but the coach <laughs> is outside the bottle, right? So that means it's outside of the current paradigm of the individual. So true. that's why coaches mean uh, need coaches, because they're stuck in their own damn bottles. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's I what mean. it
1: means. I love that analogy too. What's a conscious man to you, Ivan? Conscious man. A conscious man is a confident man a man who has asked the deeper questions of who he is now, what he is now, who is he becoming, what is he becoming, what is the direction that he's going in. He knows exactly what his uh, preferences are, his values, his core values, his core beliefs, he knows exactly uh, what he stands for, he knows exactly what he stands against, he knows exactly what he's unapologetic for, and he has the courage to live that inner philosophy in the outside world. Also, he's a self-authorized man, meaning he's a free thinker, he's an independent thinker, Mm -hmm. he's an inductive thinker, he he thinks about things instead of accepting things at face value. He makes his own decision about where he stands. He's a free thinker, not a follower.
0: Mm, I love that. A free thinker, not a follower. That's powerful. No one said that yet. That's cool. Mm. What's one thing that challenges you right now?
1: One thing that challenges me right now. Mm. You know, it's this concept of balance. I don't really resonate too much with the concept of balance. I like harmony better, but let's, let's say that they're interchangeable. I find myself swinging the pendulum to one side way too far, and that's a bit inconsistent with one of my uh, top values, which is wellness, which includes health and well-being. Obviously, if I'm 46 and I can perform at, at these high levels physically, I want to be that way. My value stays that way. But I also know that, uh, by the way, that's, that noise is in your background, not in mine, right? That's, yeah. that's
0: my dog scratching her... Um...
1: Ah, perfect. That's an authentic call. Love it. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is, when the, when the pendulum, pendulum swings all the way to one way where I, I get so busy with not stuff but with work that's meaningful work and I'm so passionate about it but then I end up sacrificing sleep and quality of sleep mm. then that is, that is a problem that I haven't quite solved yet mm. so because I'm not willing at, yeah. to let go that's, that's exactly where I'm at now I'm not willing to let go of my commitments to my passions and how I serve in order to sleep better yeah. but I'm paying a price on this yeah. side
0: yeah, you're so into it, you're so, you just, I, I totally resonate with that, man, like you can work to, to late hours at night because it just it inspires you from within, but I've also had this thought, and I, I'm like, interested to see what you feel about this, is like, maybe when you are actually inspired, but, you know, you do need, you don't need to sleep as much because you're, you know, wakes you up with more energy, it depends how you probably wake up, you probably know, fuck, I'm not really that good right now, but... You know, do you feel that too, like you could actually, you probably don't need to sleep as much if you are actually naturally inspired more because you're living in your passion?
1: I've observed that in the past where um, I'm seeing some issues right now is that my, my, my mind is so busy yeah. that it'll wake me up in the middle of the night because I'm processing now things in awakened state instead of um, REM sleep. Mm. where where I'm actually rejuvenating and rebuilding and uh, restoring my body. Both are doing work. Mm. But on this side, when I'm awake and processing things, maybe the quality is not that high because my unconscious mind is not involved. Mm -hmm. Also, I get further tired because my quality of sleep is very low. Yes, I sleep less hours, but my quality of sleep is very low. yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel that. Okay. And what's unconditional love mean to you?
1: Ah, <laughs> unconditional love. You know, this, uh, this is a question that I, I, was, I faced a few years ago and the answer came so clear and it didn't come from out of nowhere. I read it in a book, so I'm not going to give the credit to universe or channeling. <laughs> I, it didn't happen that way. I read it in a book. However, the book was channeled literature. Okay. Cool. Uh, it, it matters or it doesn't. Uh, it's called Word, Word, and it's a series of books. They're all called Word, but they have subtitles. Okay. Cool. And it said, unconditional love is, is light. It's the highest frequency. It has nothing to do with um, romantic love, the way we think about love. And when it's unconditional, it's energy that's not yours. It's the highest vibration, frequency, and you're merely a conduit of it. You're only a vessel. It doesn't stop inside your system, your body. It just merely goes through you, Mm -hmm. and it goes towards the person. All you can do is magnify it. Mm -hmm. And so the rest of the story is, Whoever is on the other side, the receiver, they're not a mirror. So giving and channeling love and light does not come with the expectation of receiving it back. Mm-hmm. That is what makes it unconditional. Mm-hmm. It's not a case of, oh, I love you that much, or I'm sending you this level of light. You should send me back this level as well. Yeah. Yeah. There is no expectation and it said the way you love your spouse it's exactly the same way, by this definition, you would love the garbage man outside who's picking up your trash right now.
0: Yeah,
1: that's... Uh, or the clerk at the grocery store. So yeah. that's unconditional love. Yeah. You give without the expectation to receive. And the giving is not from you, it's through you.
0: Yeah, I love that. Not from you, it's through you. You know, it's funny, Like just to add to what you said, I've been doing recently is... Um, at the end of my meditations or visualizations, I'll, I'll send out five blessings just to people, like specific blessings of like I know someone, friend or family is going through some challenges and it's not like I'm doing it to get something in return. It's actually just asking the universe to send them love today. And it's a breakthrough when I started doing this, to be honest, because the feeling of it is is like, wow, that's actually what it means to so not like ask for anything in return. It's just like, I want them to have that today. And that's one way that I've been doing that lately. So it's it's, it's been pretty powerful for me, for sure. Mm. So yeah, the last question on this is on this section: is do you believe in a greater power, and what is that to you?
1: Yes, I believe in a greater power. I don't have a name for it because any any name is is a label, and by definition, it boxes in that power. I believe that it's something that our minds are too small to explain. For me, that's the unexplainable. I do not believe in a higher power in the name of hope that uh, I will survive my physical death. That's a very important point for me to make. It's not a salvation for me. It's not a source for salvation. But I do believe that there, is, there are things outside of me that I cannot explain.
0: Mm.
1: And I sometimes for convenience reasons, if I would, were to put a label, it might be universe, it might be God, it might be um, just light energy or just the unexplainable or easiness or allness or oneness or any number of labels that I put in that actually decrease it from what it actually is, which is unexplainable and uncomprehensible for us. This is what I believe. Uh, is it true? I don't know. Do I care? I don't care if it's true or not because it serves me. All I care is that it serves me. I don't care if science can prove it or not. Yeah. Until it serves me, I'll use it. When it stops serving me, I'll stop using it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But there are no expectations for stopping or even uh, continuing serving me. I'm not attached to any of that.
0: Yeah, I love that, man. It's like, do I care is it true I don't know but you know I think only quantum physics is still trying to figure out what the hell is going on in this world you know like they know obviously a lot more but it's like well Albert Einstein died thinking, saying he didn't die saying this but he said you know quantum entanglement was spooky action at a distance and they're still trying to figure it out um, mm. and so like there's, it just goes to show that there's a whole lot of shit out there that even the smartest people in this world are still trying to figure out so the best thing we can do is does it like what you do does it feel good to me? Does it serve me? I'm just going to do that. And it takes a lot yeah. to do that. It takes a lot of courage to be in your truth, understanding
1: that. But, and but what's the alternative? You're going to wait for a quantum physics to tell you, yes, it's true. And then you <laughs> find yourself in your 90s and now it's a little bit too late. Yeah. I mean, why not just use it if it serves you? And if it doesn't, use something else. Yeah, Bloody It's as simple as that. But yeah, uh, don't wait till your nineties to,
0: to, to believe in something. Uh, I think that is I'm gonna have to take that out and just post that on Instagram by itself. I love that man. <laughs> so the first question is oh, this is the main question, okay. Now we're gonna look at your conscious journey. What did your life look like as unwork, you know, unconscious, and what's it look like compared to now?
1: Hmm. I don't know if I understand or interpret the question the, uh, correctly, but you're basically asking me who I was a long time ago that's no longer, and who I am today in comparison to that.
0: Yeah. So basically, if we look at the conscious man today, you know, as you described, qualities that you perceive to be in yourself of living mm. a more conscious life, what did your life look like without those qualities?
1: Ah, man. Um let me make this as short as possible, uh, or, or do my best. But, um, I've experienced that actually. I wasn't always where I am today and, you know, thank universe or God or easiness, whatever you want to call it. That means I've expanded a little bit or contracted. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'm not the same person. What I know is that I was born and grew up in communism. I was almost 16 when things changed. And at that point, um, I started realizing that I was uh, getting brainwashed and conditioned in a certain way, to think in certain ways. And I was uh, my thinking was very controlled. And my passion for free thinking, a lot of it comes from that space of being co- completely conditioned out of free thought.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not only was I in, inside of boundaries in a small box, mm-hmm but the psychological conditioning was where you didn't even realize that there was something outside of that box. For you, the box was the world, or for me, I should say. And so there is not even suffering from that space because you have nothing to compare with it, experientially wise. Um. And so my conscious awakening is a journey of being told how to think in only a certain in a set of lines and knowing that nothing outside of me is available to me mm. at all, then wakening up that there is so much more outside of that, but realizing that I was put into this small frame previously and I was trained not to use my own thought, my own free thought, and then suffering over many years, as I was struggling to get back on my feet as a, as a self-authorized individual, actually not get back on my feet, but stand up on my feet, because I was never on my feet. I was born into communism. To eventually, where I, I knew what it was, but I had to step into fear alchemy much deeper, so i can overcome the fears of taking ownership of that level Mm -hmm. and learning to think free and learning to practice that and practice 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 until it became more and more of my normal my default now Mm -hmm. whereas the default was to be told what to think and to look around and see what everybody else is thinking and conform and this became so big to me I don't know if this is going to be just an audio podcast or a video as well, but I'm showing right now on the screen, I have a tattoo that's uh, blasted on my left forearm. And the meaning of that is look at where everybody else is going and go in the opposite direction. And there is also um, a, a barrier that I'm breaking through. That's the barrier of my own resistance. And you can lump... Underneath resistance, anything that's self-doubt, limitations, um, um, fears, all of these are forms of resistance to me. So Mm. express uniquely and break any barrier Mm. that's in your way of expressing uniquely. This is who I am today.
0: Mm.
1: Have I fully arrived? I don't don't think so. There is always work to do. And I'm absolutely open, raw, and honest about that. Will I ever arrive? I don't know. Maybe it's not available to me. Maybe that's not even the point of the journey. Maybe the the point of the journey is the journey itself. But I know where I was. And looking now in the rearview mirror of my life, I know I've gone a a huge distance. Yeah, man. Yeah.
0: I love the way you said that. And again, I I can say that as well as for being this conscious journey is not a destination we're not, we haven't like made it and we're not on a pedestal we're just we're, we're this is the journey this is about the journey and, and it doesn't necessarily mean where you are is different and better than someone else it's just say this is where i'm at this is the, what i've learned what was your biggest vice in that period so like i don't know if there was any like addictions or anything that was grabbing hold of you in that period of you know that mindset where you were that unwoke period what was it for you that was just like you were, you were addicted to, you were, you were was grabbing holding? What bias was there? Mm.
1: I was addicted to, huh. it's a very subtle form of victimhood, by the way. Mm-hmm. And it became clear to me much, much, much later in life. In fact, not too long ago. And it's a form of victimhood that, that's very difficult to catch for most people because even coaches are not looking there. But, but see this right now, my advice was to blame my lack of success, if you want to call it, or realization or expansion, whatever you want to call it. I would blame it on all the limiting beliefs I've inherited back in communism, in my early upbringing from my caregivers and all of that stuff. And I have a lot of baggage that just, I haven't fully resolved that i'm still you know controlled by limited by mm. and then somebody said you're you have you found a convenience you found found a comfort on, on blaming your stomping your feet on the same spot on your limiting beliefs mm. and that's you've made it an entity outside of you. And, and if you point a finger at anything that's outside of you, you're in victim mode because you are basically saying, well, it's this, it's not me, it's this. Yeah. And also by definition, it means that you can't change it because it's outside of you. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a subtle form of victimhood. And that's what I was addicted to, mm-hmm. where I had all of this baggage and that's what's weighing uh, too much in the backpack of that's attached to my body, and too many rocks, and I'm barely walking, and all of that stuff. And it takes a lot of work, or it's impossible. Uh, but but no longer. Do I still have baggage? Of course, everybody has baggage. I'll probably drop all the baggage when I drop my physical body and go somewhere else. <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't slow me down from my expansion anymore. Yeah. It's no longer an excuse. You take ownership for it. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I love that, man. So if you think about that same period, what was the biggest emotion that challenged you? I've got anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, anger, uh, maybe even sadness. What was it for you?
1: Yeah, you know, all of these that you listed, some of them to a higher magnitude. But uh, if you and your listeners are familiar with um, David Hawking's uh, work on uh, you know power versus force, the consciousness table, the lowest ever frequency levels according to his work are shame and guilt. Mm. So I, I'm not going to use the word I spent. I'm going to call it what it is. I indulged inside the energies of shame and guilt for a bit too long. Mm-hmm. Because I went through a period of my life where for five years plus I considered myself a total failure as a provider, as a procreator and as a as a husband. And I was not only living in these energies of shame and guilt, but I was unconsciously find ways to magnify them. So that was pretty much my default energy.
0: Mm. And so you say that those emotions come back to... Being a father, being a husband, is that, like, what, is that what they're tied to? Or Is there something earlier that that shame and guilt is tied to?: you
1: know, is there... So what happened was, I had a business some years ago, and then I ran this for three and a half years, and then I shut it down. And, and this shutting down of the business wasn't I didn't treat it back then as a learning experience. I treated it as a failure but then I unconsciously found a way to magnify this failure so far out of proportions that I unconsciously started sabotaging all my future efforts. And that kept me not only stuck, but it kept me going deeper and deeper into a hole. And eventually I became codependent to who back then was my wife. And I had to deal with the additional guilt and the deep level of shame for being the man in the family who's now given a job by his wife. Mm. And I was still cycling downwards in a downward spiral. So it wasn't getting any better. It was getting worse because I was magnifying the shame and guilt. I was sabotaging all my personal efforts. And eventually that lasted more than five years and it ended my marriage.
0: Mm-hmm. How have you found that and now? Have you found you've let that go and found forgiveness for that period of
1: your life? I had to face certain truths about myself and about uh, certain archetypes that I have in my system that I have to watch for. And one of them is to relax into codependence. So I know that about myself. And I'm now watching this like a crazy mofo. When I see it coming two miles away on the horizon, I run and I stay (laughs) I protect my self-sufficiency like crazy right now, because I do not want this archetype of me to take hold of me again. I want to, I want to, it's a part of me. I want to have it in my system as a small child that I'm loving, mm-hmm. but it's not a, an adult that's running my life.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. The adult is actually another archetype that I've stepped into ownership by choice. And that is to express fully by myself, to have full responsibility of myself, and to have full ownership of who, what I am and what happens with me and everybody who's under my care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I can feel that about you. You've taken a lot of ownership for your life. I can see that in just the short time we've known each other now. Wh- whose love did you crave most growing up and who did you have to be to get it? Hmm.
1: hmm. So I always had um, even excessive levels of love coming from my mother. What I frequently go back to in a full state of forgiveness, by the way, is going back to a few scenes where my father was playing with my two years younger sister when we were kids. And I don't remember him playing with me ever. He only played with her. And I would just sit and watch them laugh, both of them. My sister in her, you know, baby, baby way, and he was laughing. And this, a few of these scenes are very vivid for me. And I remember clearly back then saying to myself, my father doesn't love me. My father doesn't love me. That's why he doesn't uh, play with me. He doesn't want to do anything to do with me. So, um Later on, I realized that I actually graduated my master's degree to win the love of my father. Not because I needed or wanted the master's degree, but because I thought he was going to love me more.
0: How is that love now?
1: Well, I discovered that he's always loved me. He just had um, his own ways of showing that or not showing that, but he always loved me and there was nothing for me to try and to prove,
0: yeah, nothing. That, yeah, that's beautiful coming to that realization. Hey? What about the lowest point in your life? If there was a, a really challenging point in your life, was suicide ever an option in your life?
1: No, suicide has never been an option mm. and there was a a low point in my life that actually came after a series of what I told myself were my lowest points. And I said, okay, this is the bottom. There is no way I can go further down than this because it is the bottom. Now it's a matter of bouncing up again. And then just to prove me wrong universe or God or oneness. Oh, look down. There is a new bottom for you (laughs) there. And then that kept repeating so many times. Uh, At one point I actually stopped counting that I'll ever reach a bottom because it was getting deeper, deeper into a black hole. And at that point, I was so low in my life that I had to deal with my pride and humble myself enough so I can call for help. I can just, the people that I used to help and they would rely on me for help, now i humbled myself enough to get myself to that position where i can open up the line and say hey i am in a mess yeah. i need your help
0: yeah, yeah i love yeah. that They had that humility eh? and the vulnerability what about the moment of awakening for you what was the significant moment of awakening mm.
1: um hmm. I've had many moments of realization, but I don't have a sudden, like a huge Satori moment where I know, yes, this, this this was exactly the second it all happened for me and it got revealed to me. So I don't have what they call, you know, when you go to transformation, it can either happen through sudden disorienting dilemma, which I've never had, or I don't remember one, or to... Um, over time, gradually evolving schema, right? These are life experiences where, you know, things accumulate and eventually that nudges you towards change in a certain way that you evolve from that change. And this is more of my story. And having said that, I know that my steepest growth had happened after I did ayahuasca. It didn't happen when I came out of the experience. In fact, when I came out of the experience, I was just even more confused. Mm -hmm. But over time, my identity changed so much that I literally became a different person. Not by my own account, but by the account of the people who know me best. Mm -hmm. My colleagues, my deepest friends and family. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, interesting. So, you, like, it's funny because like some people have answered this question where they're like, "Yep, this was it." Other people, it was like they're near at th- that moment where they were like about to commit suicide, and was like, "Boom! No, something's got to change." And so, it's really cool to see your one where it was like, "Yeah, well, I did this experience, but it didn't happen until time after."
1: Mm, uh, mm. And, and you know, let me let me pause you right here because something's coming up for me right now, and I don't know if this is the significance you're looking for. But remember just the previous question when I said I have to humble myself enough to call for help the people that I used to help before that. So I called for help. um, One of my closest people on the planet. And it was a very weird phone call. And the person on the other side didn't even know what to do with me. And it was a bit even strange for me because he was so confused about what was happening. And so we closed the phone, we end the call, and about five minutes after the call, I get a text message saying, this is not Ivan that I know. Kick out the imposter right now. And I read that message and literally from that minute, I started taking different actions because now I realized how low of a point I had arrived at. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is a a moment that you're looking for, but this is also very clear to me. And where I am today is largely due to this one text message. That's why I'm in Malaysia today.
0: Wow. This makes sense because you've got an energy. It's the same energy that I've just talked about before about that. Radical responsibility, that extreme ownership. It's like kick out the imposter, and it's almost like you've seen that and gone, fuck, I've got to do something about this. And yeah, like, did you, that was when you just were like, no, let's do this, let's go take action, let's change, what can I change, let's do it. Is that what it was like after that point?
1: Yes. I mean, I realized that for the people who know me best and believe in me more than I believe in myself, they know what I'm capable of. I forget, but they do know. They saw that I was possessed by something that wasn't me. And this person wanted to wake me up and say, I don't know who this was on the phone. It's not the person I've always known. What? It's an imposter, kick him out.
0: What a friend, eh? What yeah. a friend. And you mentioned ayahuasca, you mentioned you do men's work. What healing modality was, the, was, was crucial for you on your journey?
1: Hmm. what's what's been very important in my own journey is actually nothing that crazy the tools are interesting but the practice is just the practice of discipline and i got this from my early sports and athletic and competition years but it taught me discipline. And this discipline later I took it and I applied it to the projects that I was working on. I always gave the best I could in all my projects. But what's important is that I used this discipline to install a daily routine of, of rituals. And this daily routine of rituals included written gratitude. But not just just any gratitude, but, but really relaxing into the realization that I need nothing. And I've got so much that I actually could ever use, even in my lowest moments. And being grateful for, I don't want to list all of these things, but for the smallest things. Like, hey, I woke up this morning. It's already such a great day because so many people didn't get that chance this morning. They didn't get a chance to wake up and they didn't know that the night before. I'm already extremely lucky. I got another day to live. And so I had gratitude. I had my meditation practices. Later on, I was introduced to breath work. And later on, I got licensed uh, as an instructor of SOMA breath work. This is my practice today. I've always kept my taking care of my spiritual Temple and body, my physical temple and body, and my mind, mm. and so this is always included in my daily rituals. Oh, I love that. Yeah,
0: I love that man. That's really cool. And
1: and just discipline and consistency.
0: Yeah. So like it, gratitude, gratitude has been a really big one for you, and I think that's a big one for everyone. It's just, but you, like I like how you talk about the the fact that you you, you know you actually spent time to feel into it. It wasn't just like, oh, let's just tick and flick type thing. It's like, no, I'm actually really grateful. Like, something that I always mm-hmm. say is, like, yeah, we wake up and put our two feet on the ground, but also we had a safe sleep last night. There's a lot of people that aren't safe when they go to bed. There's, you know, bombs going overhead or, you know, there's high crime rates. So, yeah, I really love that, man. It's the first person to actually talk about gratitude as being a big part of your healing. I love that. Mm. What, what about your what about your friend group? How's that changed as you've changed?
1: Mm. That's an interesting question. I really appreciate it. In my journey, the biggest change is I started becoming less accessible to people, and the people that I chose to continue to be accessible to, I would give myself. Away fully to them. Mm. But I was no longer. See, I had a mentor, I still have this mentor and a role model. He taught me this idea of being the prize or the prisoner. In other words, being more of a luxury or just being a commodity. And I went through several periods in my life, one of them very recent where I realized that I've become a commodity because I was so reachable by so many people. And I, I don't have problems saying no. I'm not a yes monster. I'm not a yes person. However, I'm very driven by trying to alleviate people's pain. And, and, and when a lot of people reach out to me and I know I can do something about that, I go out and do it but then i find myself out of batteries lying down on the floor not even have um enough juice to even cry and i had to wake up in that kind of a wake up call several times and now my the access to me is very closely guarded and it's very strategic
0: mm-hmm. i love that you've shifted from qu- quantity to quality
1: yes yeah, yeah. exactly
0: yeah what part of your conscious journey are you most grateful for?
1: Hmm. There are so many parts, uh, but what immediately comes to mind, and I'll just go with that because I trust that if it comes immediately, it's the right thing to say. I went through uh, 13 years of, of a beautiful marriage and eventually this marriage ended for, for some reasons. It it ended in a beautiful way with this amazing soul and person who was my wife at the time. Uh, She's still one of the closest people I have on the planet. In fact, I was on a video call with her last night. And this was a journey that I thought I was going to die into with this person. I not only thought that we are in this together for life, but even in afterlife, if there is such a thing as souls, but then it ended after 13 years. And I found myself saying to her, um, about a couple of years after it ended or a year and a half, let's say, maybe a half a year ago, because it ended 2018 officially. I said, I want you to know something. You saved my life. If we had stayed together, I wouldn't have died physically right away but I would have kept dying one day at a time and I would have been a, a desiccated version of who I could have actually been in my 80s both of us so you literally saved my life and I so much deeply appreciate you for that yes we paid the price both of us but you saved my life.
0: Mm. Wow. Isn't that beautiful, eh? Have that much love for that beautiful lady. Mm. This is the last question, Ivan. What's one tip that you would give your old self who's just starting this journey?
1: This is um, something that I am so blessed to guide my my men and women that I help with. On their road and path of expansion but it's one of the first things we ever do is radical self-forgiveness it's a process that i've done many times it's a process that i was taught by my mentor many years ago in order to begin dealing with this shame and guilt that i was in because eventually i realized that i was experiencing these low frequencies because i was judging my the old versions of myself from the perspective of who and what I am today and the level of wisdom I have today. But I realized that at the, at the time when I was doing something to even hurt somebody else who I loved and deeply loved me. And then as a result of the realization that I hurt them later on, I would experience shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't know any better. That was the only way that was available to me. Otherwise I would have done it differently. So radical self forgiveness includes going back to each of these times in my timeline, taking my present self and going there and meeting my old self and literally going through a process of forgiveness, hugging the man and saying, hey man, you're doing amazing right now. You may regret a little bit after this event. You may judge yourself coming from the future. But I'm coming from a distant future to tell you right now, you are doing amazing. Mm -hmm. If you would have known any better, you would have done it differently, but you don't. And so I'm here to give you a a loving hug.
0: Mm. I love that, man.
1: And I've done that many times. And that was... One of the significant processes of radical self-forgiveness. So I don't live with a package from the past, baggage from the past that's that belongs to the past. Because really, if I knew any better, I would have done it differently. It wasn't just available to me as a choice back then. Yeah. It is now, yeah. and judging myself from this space now. But i know no longer indulging that, yeah. and that's what I. If I can impart something early inside of somebody's journey that's one of the things go back and let's uh, let's drop this by loving on to that person that you're blaming from where you are today
0: mm-hmm. i love that brother it's been an absolute pleasure sharing your story Ivan. thank you for joining me man and giving us your time and for anyone that's listening to this we'll be able to reach out with you on social media uh, in the show notes but again yeah thank you brother i really appreciate your time
1: Thank you, Luca, for giving me an opportunity. And um, uh, in closing, I'll just say this. I don't think anything that came out of my mouth today is mine. If anything, just like love and light, I'm I'm a conduit. I'm a vessel. Before I start a call, whether it's a coaching call, whether it's a, a podcast call like this, I put my right hand on my heart and I ask the unexplainable, To help me be that perfect conduit that perfect vessel so whatever has to be delivered to whoever is meant to receive this i want to be the last place and space of resistance for this not to get to that person Mm -hmm. all i know is that i am here as a vessel and things are coming through me they're not mine Mm -hmm. and so if if any one person finds our t- today's conversation valuable it's not because of me and i'm not doing that from a full full humility i just know that i'm, I'm here to to share but i know it's not mine so it's not guarded like and that. thank you for um giving that opportunity for this outlet to just continue to go
0: of course brother of course it's my pleasure thank you to everyone listening and and stick around for the next episode until then take care I got love in my eyes, bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away
1: Yeah I put love into me I'm spreading that love, yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey, woke man Woke man, wokey, woke man Woke man, wokey, woke man Bring love and just be Woke man Wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.